Hey everyone, welcome back to Illuminate. This is the third installment of our conversation with Reverend Dr. Beer, aka Nathan's dad. If this is your first time joining us, highly recommend you go back and check out some of the previous episodes in this conversation we've been having on what to do when things don't go our way. Looking at a Christian worldview of mental health, coping mechanisms, how to have a healthy soul. And so we're so excited to dive into the wrap-up of this conversation. And hey, just a heads up for you guys, you might hear some funny things on the audio. That's on our end. Your speakers are fine. Just wanted to give you a heads up. Enjoy the episode. So so we're really wanting to just wrap up this conversation now, talking just in general what we can do to have, one, a healthy soul, and then two, how to have healthy relationships with others. And I think that what we've touched on already to this point is your unique situation, Dad, where you've been a pastor, you are a counselor, you're a teacher, you've been in so many different roles, you have a theological background, you have a... A counseling background. You have all of these things playing into your wisdom and your knowledge. And how do we have a healthy soul uh, with talking about all of these coping mechanisms that we've talked through, uh, talking about individual stressors, things that stress us out? How in general, as a Christian, as a believer, can we have a healthy soul? The soul is something maybe indiscreet not indiscreet it doesn't have a indiscreet by meaning it doesn't have a, a shape to it you know it doesn't have a distinct edge there's no real boundary to the soul so a lot of people ignore the soul because they don't see it as something that's an entity or a a, a part of themselves and every once in a while they may get a glimpse of it so one of the things we have to do is to become aware of the soul. Now I always think of Paul writing in 1 Corinthians 14 when he says, I pray with my spirit and I pray with my mind or my understanding and I sing with my spirit and I sing with my my mind or my understanding. And uh, I think of David in the Psalms who said, bless the Lord, O my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. So we have this uh, biblical concept of the soul that resides in us, that is an entity, we can speak to it, and it's like we can speak with it, we can sing with it. So we need to be aware of when that soul within us, the, this entity of, I don't know what else to call it, it's not a being, it's not like we're not the Trinity, it's, but we need to come to realize we have one before we can even grow one. And, and I'll tell you one of the biggest uh, ways to recognize that your soul is activated is when you're lonely. I mean, think about the feeling of being lonely, just all alone. I'm all alone. I'm the only one. Nobody cares about me. And that is the soul yearning for a deeper experience than what you're getting by yourself. You can't just be by yourself and and get that depth of meaning and purpose. So the soul is saying, you need more. You need more. And of course, you're reaching out ultimately to God. You can reach out to friends, but they can't feed that either. So loneliness is a sign of the soul's presence. So once we come to that understanding and recognition 
of our soul, what do you think are some of the primary needs or desires of our soul? So I remember the first time I truly recognized that I communed with God in spirit and in my soul. This, the inner being of who I am, the soul, this entity that is deep within me that was yearning to come out and have meaning. And I was 14 years old and uh, outside with uh, taking our dog for a walk in the cold of winter. And I looked up and saw the stars. I'd probably seen the stars a million times before that because I was an outdoors kind of kid. Uh, and I looked at the stars. They were bright. It was There weren't there wasn't the light pollution we have now. And I was absolutely just shocked how close the stars were. There was no moon out that night. It was brisk. It was very cold. Michigan, a Michigan winter night, uh, probably down in the uh, high teens or low twenties. And I, I loved that. I was like, all of a sudden I, I felt this rush of connection with the God who created that. And, and because of my, my background with a Christian family in the Bible, and the truth is that I experienced this incredible rush of my soul connecting with the greater grandeur of God. So the first thing I think to realize is you've got to really connect with this greater, the greaterness, the greaterness. <laughs> we'll use that word. I like it, yeah. greaterness. <laughs> uh, we, have to, we have to connect to this uh, idea that there's uh, awesomeness, that's probably a better word, the, um, the vastness of who God is. And when we start connecting with that, we start recognizing how our soul is fed by the incredible being who is God. And so I think some people are reaching out in a non-Christian way, and they're falling short. They may feel good for the moment, but they can't synthesize that in the rest of their life. That And the soul is such a part of us that they leave it back on the hill after the morning dawn, and then they go to the rest of their boring life. And they try to do it again some other time. When we don't I live in awe all the time of God and his greatness. So speaking of that, the second thing that I do is, uh, and I know this has been a practice forever, it, it's the discipline, the spiritual discipline of studying God's word. I don't just mean reading God's word, which is okay, but actually studying God's word. So 1996, I was leading a men's retreat, reading a book, um, about the uh, disciplines of a godly man, and I came to the chapter about reading through the Bible. And I've, I had always struggled re with reading the Bible, with having a quiet time or devotional every day. I mean, as a pastor, even I would, with business and kids and wanting to run and be athletic, I would sometimes go two weeks without having a quiet time. My prayer life, you know, I had a prayer life, but it wasn't the same. Uh, it wasn't very disciplined. And he said, he gave the illustration of a general in World War II. I, and the name escapes me right now. I could look it up. But um, he had read through the Bible using Machane's Bible reading guide for 20, 30 years, something like that, by the time he was in his 50s and directing the, uh, the theater of operations in his area. And he'd fight in battles for two, three days. And then the men knew that he would go back into his tent or wherever he was and catch up on his reading because it's four chapters a day. And they said, he, of all the generals, he was the one that people trusted the most. They trusted him. They would do anything for him. He, and he says, the only reason I'm like this is because the study of God's word every day has changed my life. I, I, I just can't imagine 
doing anything else. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll pick up on that opportunity. Um, and I got a machine's Bible reading guide from the back of the book and started reading through the Bible four chapters a day. And since 1996, I've read through the Bible every year. I've read through the Old Testament every year, the New Testament twice, and the Psalms twice every year. So that's how many years you can, you can count it up. Um, and I can say this, that it has absolutely wowed me. Now, some mornings I go through and go, okay, well, I'm glad I got through First uh, Chronicles 2 because there's about 8,000 names there. And, you know, and I kind of whisk my, but there's some days I, I actually go, I better read this. And I'll go, oh, my word. That's just incredible. And it creates that vastness of God at work. It creates this sense of, of um, awesomeness of how God really is active in my life. And it connects to me, connects to my soul. And there's no other poems or, you know, inspired pastors preaching or anything else in the universe like the Bible, the Word of God, to feed the soul. And so people are wondering, why am I depressed? Why am I anxious? Why do I have problems in this life? Why am I not able to cope? Well, there's a much bigger world out there, and, and reading the Bible doesn't solve all our problems, but it, it feeds my soul. So in those moments where I'm lonely and my, my soul is feeling the anxiety or the pressures or the arrows of the evil one, I'm going to have this bigger picture, this bigger sense of God at work and be able to withstand by faith some of the things that are happening to me. Yeah, I think I think it's a good distinction that you make too, pairing those two together, because I think the times when I do feel almost uh, not as connected to God, and I get back into the Word and really study it, then when I go out into the wor- world after studying the Word, I almost see more where God is present in my day to day life after studying God's word. But if I, if I know, if I, if I get out of God's word and I'm not studying the Bible as, as thoroughly, or I'm just kind of, if I'm even, I mean, we all have those days where you just read a couple of chapters and you're like, okay, well I did it. Um, check it off the list. But you know, when I'm intentionally sitting down and studying it, when I go out and you know, the next 23 hours of my day, I, I am more aware of the presence of God throughout my day to day life. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing of, of friends that I have who are not Christians who see a great sunset and they go, wow, that's a good looking sunset. But if I see a great looking sunset, you know, I, I'm thanking God for that sunset. I'm saying that is amazing that we have a creator who would paint the skies with pinks and blues and purples and yellows and oranges. Just he doesn't have to do that, but he does that for the almost the nourishment of our soul, but also to create that connection uh, between his creation uh, or between creation and the creator. And I think that's a really, uh, really important, but awesome distinction that you make between those two things in order to have a healthy soul, which is basically just to connect to the living God through his word and, and through his creation almost. And just to, to see his presence everywhere in your life, mm-hmm. I think leads to having, having a healthy soul, knowing that, you know, you are never alone, truly. And your depression, though it may be real, it's not the same. It's a different, um, there's a different purpose to it, a different meaning to it. And you find your way out of it differently than just trying to be happy. You find your way out of it by being, uh, you know, my soul thirsts for God, like a deer pants after water. That's the whole idea of the, the life that God has offered to us by faith in Christ is, 
this thirsting, the soul, the, the yearning for relationship with God um, on that vast, great schedule. And uh, I feel it badly for people that are trying to empty themselves of that. They say, oh gosh, I'll just, I'll just try to make my mind clear and say a syllable, just say one syllable over and over again until I'm empty. The, you know, the um, meditation techniques that the Eastern uh, yogis have. And I, is it yogi? <laughs> this is a yogi. That's a thing. <laughs> no, but I think that's, um, I love that picture of um, not being emptied for the sake of just emptying everything from you, but in a, in a Christian standpoint of emptying yourself to be filled with um, who God is, who God has made you to be with his spirit and less of yourself. And it, uh, I think in this topic of the importance of being in God's word daily for our lives and the healthiness of our soul, I was talking with some friends of mine recently about the importance of reading scripture and how one of those is um, the transformational nature of reading scripture. Um, and I feel like that ties in so well to this idea of, you know, what to do when things don't go our way. It's become more like Christ, you know, it's transforming into like, who is Christ, um, leading me to be? And what are my responses to the world around me in light of who he is and what he's done? Um, and, and that's where our, <laughs> that's what our response is, you know, what do we do when things don't go our way? We have hope, um, and we have a Christ-like attitude to ourselves, to those around us, and to our relationship with God, which is just so simple. Well, I think that's what you said. You used the word built into us and transformational. And I got the picture of what are we building in our lives? And a lot of people have not built resilience into their life because they've been living for the moment. And living for the moment is very focused on, it's like walking with your you know, eyes on your phone. Uh, today I was walking with my eyes on my phone, uh, paying somebody with PayPal and almost ran into a park bench. Uh, it, it was, it, and I was thinking, and then I looked around to see if anybody noticed me, uh, almost running into the park bench. So I think that's what happens with people. All of a sudden they run into the park bench and they go, how, how'd I get here? When, when you open yourself to your, um, you know, these situations that you just can't seem to handle. And you say, okay, I need to have the bigger picture. When I see God and I try to be in, around people that are seeing God and living by faith, then I have more resilience when those bad things happen. Um, and I, I, I've had days of absolute, um, I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't call it depression so much, but as utter despair. Just, just nothing, absolutely nothing on the horizon looked positive. There was absolutely zero reason to think that anything good was going to be around the corner. I had every reason to know that only hell was around the corner. I mean, I was going to be attacked. I was going to have crazy things happening to me, you know, and, and it's what a horrible feeling of absolute despair. And that's when um, I, I remember just going back to my quiet time and reading, and sure enough, in the quiet time, just studying God's Word through that regular daily discipline, I was able to release. I remember reading through the Psalms and reading through Jesus' story of the, the crucifixion and thinking, oh, my word, this is nothing. I mean, that I didn't minimize my problem, but it helped me to see how vast the resources are for God for those who believe. And I said, okay, 
I don't know where you're at, God. I don't know how this is going to turn out, except that I trust you. And I'm going to keep doing what is right. And I trust that you have done some things in the future for me. I just don't know what they are yet, because that's what the word tells me. Jesus went to the cross knowing, I mean, knowing how much pain the, the sin and the separation from God, the wrath of God was going to be. And he went there willingly knowing what was on the other side of it. There's a bigger picture. So I can go through difficult situations. Um, and I've done some dumb things in my life and had to pay the penalty of shame, you know, swallowing my pride, uh, being chastised, um, you know. And I think, okay, God, you'll, you'll keep with me on this. I just know you'll be with me. You're not, you're not the, you know, the one who's going to make, make me perfect. I understand that. Um, but you're going to help me to be resilient and keep walking and keep moving ahead without this, you know, head down looking only for the moment and bumping into things. I'm going to be looking at your something much bigger. So I think that might be the best question. What are, you, what are you really looking at when you're feeding your soul to cope with all these things? What are you really feeding your soul with to be transformed and, you know, to be in Christ, to, to know that you're going to make it? What, do you, what are you feeding yourself with? And that's really a key thing here that we're talking about today. As humans, but then specifically as Christians, we have a tendency to make things more complicated than they need to be um, because even when you ask that question, there's like 30 things that run through my head of, well, what should I be feeding my soul with? But I think just to be as simple as possible and what you've already said is just feeding your soul truth, absolute uh, foundational truth through Scripture. And, and what we've talked about the past couple of episodes already with you of feeding your souls with that truth of Scripture, but also feeding your soul with healthy, growing relationships that mirror the relationship that we have with God, not in a perfect way, and a lot of time, um, all the time in imperfect ways, but still give us that mirroring of, of who God is and how He loves us and the type of intimate relationship that we're supposed to have. But I, I think what you've been saying and this idea of resiliency, it just takes serious faith. It doesn't take uh, Sunday faith. It doesn't take uh, right. you know any of these other things. It takes real faith of of, of striving uh, to to or just pursuing the Spirit of dwelling on the Spirit of I'm, I'm in Romans eight right now talking about setting your mind on the Spirit. It's an active engagement on our part of chasing after the Spirit, not as if He's running away from us. But a lot of times we run away from him unbeknownst, un- unknowingly to us, and then all of a sudden yes. we have to chase. We come back to him again, and and um, I, I think it's this active pursuit of the spirit in our life that then brings about that transformational uh, and re- relationship with him. I think you're right. There is also that um, pursuit of God, or you know the th- the fact that we know that we're going to wander, but. Um, I think you mentioned something in there too. It, looked, it was just a one simple phrase that struck me. Like, I think this is the other thing we see in um, scripture and in the Christian church, the church history that we have, and in the, the the movements of God through history, where many many people came to Christ. And the, what you see are people helping other people on their journey to grow and to be, to be able to cope with the craziness of life. 
Go to the people that are strong that are able to handle the fact that you're not being strong <laughs> and ask for help. And uh, I remember in college, there was always an older staff member or older volunteer or even our Sunday school teacher who was a father of one of my friends that I could go and talk to. In fact, they reached out to me and had lunch or just, you know, got together and sat on a picnic table on the campus or something like that and just talk through life. So um, I was talking to one of my, uh, he's a dean of social work at a big, a big 10 university right now, dean of the school of social work. And he was saying to me after a conversation about a kid that wanted to commit suicide that, um, you know, we all have suicidal thoughts and those suicidal thoughts are, you know, in normal people which I, didn't, I never knew that, so he told me something new. And then he says, but he says, Tom, have you had suicidal thoughts? I go, well, I don't think so, not really. He says, well, if you do, because you're a healthy person, you'll say no to them. You'll, there'll be something in you that says, no, that's not the right way to go. That stuck with me. Now that I've had the counseling, you know, I said the word commit suicide. It's really complete suicide nowadays. That's why you're supposed to say it. But there's this idea in our heads that, we can do it alone. We grit our teeth. I read my Bible. I go to church on a Sunday morning. I touch a few people's lives there maybe, and I move on and then go back and grit my teeth the rest of the week. And really, I need to do this with other people. So I'm involved with a men's group called F3, Faith, Fitness, and Fellowship. I've been doing this for four years. I've always had some of the other guys to work out with or play basketball with for 13 years in Michigan on Wednesday mornings for two, play two pickup games of basketball, devotions, and Whatever time was left, we played some more basketball, about an hour and 15 minutes every Wednesday morning for 13 years. I love those guys. There was a, a, anytime there was tough things happening in people's lives, the guys would put their hands on one of the guys and pray for them as they kneeled. From all different types of churches, it was so powerful. Um, I got together with nine pastors every week for prayer. Nine pastors every week for prayer for the last seven years I was in Michigan. That was something I, I just haven't been able to recreate. Uh, there, I haven't had that kind of pastoral thing here in, uh, in northeast Tennessee. But um, I've got a bunch of guys that I can call. If there's something going on in my life or there's something going on in their life, they, I can call and say, hey, this, I need some help. Pray for me. And that's, that has enlarged my soul. They give me resources. They pray with me. So you don't have to do it alone either. That's, I, I see that happening a lot. Reach out to somebody who... Um, you can trust and try to see if they're willing to mentor or disciple or meet once a month or um, or once every two or three months. Uh, I mean, counseling is really important, but you can read it. I mean, counseling is good. It's expensive. Uh, it's worth it for a while, I think, with some people. Maybe, but there's, you can read a book and get some of that or go talk to friends or a pastor. Pastors do about 30% of the counseling. Uh, for Christians, maybe even higher, but I read a statistic once that uh, people go see their counsel- their pastors for counseling. Pastors are not trained as much, but they're, I haven't, um, I shouldn't say I haven't, but most of the people I've counseled that have talked to their pastors first have got some very wise advice, have helped, you know, it has helped people tremendously, and usually pastors that i have in, that, that have referred people to me know where their limits are, so they can't. Um, they just realize uh, this is getting beyond me, or the boundaries between me and this person or couple are being too blurred. There's too many uh, 
you know, um, what do you call that, role problems. Or, you know, I'm the pastor, I'm the friend, I'm the counselor, I'm the authority, I'm the teacher. Uh, now we're getting, it's kind of weird to counsel somebody where those dual roles are mixed up and you don't know what, what the person really is, teacher, counselor, pastor, friend. So Yeah, and I think one of the things that is standing out right now, one, we hear the phrase all the time, but we are absolutely... Uh, created for community. There's no way around it. We are created for community with our Father. We're, cre- we're created for community with our fellow brothers and sisters. Um, we're created for community in general. So whenever that is not happening, whether it be between us and God or between us and other believers and other people, I think there is that moment where we start to not slip, but feel that loneliness, feel that despair, and it just takes that working and having that strong foundation to where you know that you need to get back into a community. You need to commune with the Father. You need to get back into a community with other believers. And do you think that the word counseling has maybe been overused in our culture in the sense of maybe what 90% of what people actually need is just someone to talk to and just someone to vent? And I mean, I think in talking to you and to mom who for any listener, my mom, Rhonda, is a social worker. She's an incredible woman, uh, and, and she works with, with uh, she works at the VA in, in Tennessee. What you guys have always kind of driven into me of, of the understanding of counseling is that you're not really there to talk. You're there to listen. Um, and I think that – do you think that the word counseling has been overused in the sense of people think that they need to go to a actual counselor when in reality they just are they just don't have community around them and what they're missing out on is just what the – is just some basic things that God has created us for, like having a relationship with other people to talk with, to pray with, to be prayed for over and to pray for and all those things. Do you think it's just been, you think that's one of the things that's happening right now? I really do. I, I think that's, um, loneliness is pervasive. Why is television? Why are movies? I mean, I can tell you so many people that spend their golden years in front of a television. They they don't walk. They don't don't have as many friends. And, and I think this is one of the reasons why in retirement communities we see, um, you know, there will always be a boom in retirement communities. People retire to have other people around them who have lots of time, and they they think that they're going to go down there and not be lonely. But they can be just as lonely because people can be mean. And, you know, neighbors don't always get along and they bring their baggage with them down to the retirement community. I mean, we had friends, Nathan, you know, uh, Marge and Eddie, they lay in their condominium for four days and nobody checked on them. I mean, so they were just as lonely in their retirement community and people are and isolated and people didn't really care for each other in that place. Um, there's this loneliness that either drives us away from people because we think that we're not very good, we're not, we don't have much to offer, we're weird, no, um, nobody wants to talk to me, I don't have anything. So, or this loneliness that drives us to have these associations that are kind of shallow. When what we need are community groups that spend um, about three years together, three to five years together, to live life out long enough that we've we got to really love each other and walk through those weird things. If you just have a community group for six weeks or nine weeks, it doesn't do much for you. It, it just maybe makes you weirder because you really haven't had the rough edges. 
um, to work on. Um, and I, you know, if people can handle it, a one-on-one -on -one relationship, a discipling thing for at least one year. And, one, and so counseling, I think, is vital for some people to get them over the hump. Um, psychotherapy, uh, I've only had about five clients that I would call psychotherapy clients where for two, three years, just walking through life with them and talking through what's happening inside their head and um, their purposes and you know, and walking through a very detailed aspect of life to get a handle on it. So most people that come in for counseling are, it's a short-term thing. It's, um, you know, a, a crisis counseling is, happens a lot. Uh, counseling for marriage, usually you can get couples to stay six to eight sessions. That's good, and that gives them enough to work on. Then maybe have them come back a year from there for another session or two to work on some more things. If they're really working at it, that's all counseling needs. But, you know, couples should have another couple friend or two that they just enjoy. There's a lot of, they, they, they go places, they go, you know, they, the guys talk together, the, the wives talk together. Um, they just have a really good time. They enjoy each other's company. There's not friction. And that's something for your soul. We, couples need that kind of thing. So, um, and anyway, I don't know if that's making sense or not, but <laughs> it's good. It's a good plug for our connection groups here at Hope Fellowship Church. We have community groups, which are open groups uh, that you can join at any point, and we have home groups, which are closed groups that meet in each other's homes. Uh, as funny as, or as much as we're laughing right now, as I'm using that plug, we really encourage y'all um, just to get involved. Uh, with the community, whether that be through hope or somewhere else, but to get involved with a community who is intentionally spending time together in the word, praying for each other, and just going through life together. I think without that, I, I've had seasons in my life where I have not had that, and I have seen a difference in my mental health, in my relationships that I have with people in general, and then with my relationship with God. I, I have... I feel like almost missed out on opportunities uh, to experience more of Christ, not because he was offering less of him, but because I wasn't offering as much of myself to him uh, because I, it, because of my lack of relationships um, with, with, with people intentionally spending time in the word. So we just encourage you guys, not for the sake of getting involved with a group at hope to, to grow our uh, group numbers or anything like that, but for the sake of, growing who you are in Christ and helping you become who God has created you to be by truly belonging in a community that he's created you for. It's it's something that we encourage you to do. Dad, I just want to say thank you um, for, for doing this. Um, for everyone listening, we hope that you have enjoyed this conversation. Uh, it's been interesting talking to my dad in this context, uh, trying to treat him like a professional, but he's still just my dad. Um, <laughs> well, I'm, but, I listened uh, to the first I, one. I thought, oh my goodness, Nathan and Hannah are so insightful. Is that my son, Nathan? He's amazing. <laughs> well, uh, I love you. Um, and, <laughs> I love you too. Uh, I'm, uh, very appreciative of you and the, the dad you've been to me, the mentor that you are to me and the constant, uh, example of the love of Christ to me that you've been um, so uh, thank you for joining us for coming on to the podcast 
uh, and uh, I will see you hopefully in a couple of weeks around Christmas time. All right, sounds good. Have have a COVID-free day. <laughs> Bye. Love you guys. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us uh, through these conversations. Uh, whether you're new or you've been coming back week after week since we've been doing this, we appreciate all of you. And don't forget that if you want to give us some insight on the podcast, your reactions, um, or maybe share a story or a thought for a topic you might have, you can reach either of us um, at our emails. It's just Hannah at HopeAndAnderson.com or Nathan at HopeAndAnderson.com. Yeah, and if you've been listening today and you maybe feel like you're wanting to get involved with a community here at Hope Fellowship, or even if you're not an attendee of Hope Fellowship but you're in the area, we would love to have you maybe just check out our community groups or maybe look at our home groups and, and sign up for one of those. You can do that at hopeandanderson.com slash connection group. But thank you for listening and have a happy Thanksgiving. We're thankful for you.